grab your Bibles. We're going to look at the Bible in a little bit, and uh, you might want to grab a notebook. I've got some scriptures that we'll read. Um, and uh, how many people know uh, that life gets complicated? How many people have ever thought to themselves, actually, this is a bit complicated? Give me a show of hands. We're doing a quick survey here. It gets a bit complicated. If you've got one child, how many know that's a bit complicated? Right? You know where I'm going because some of you know I have four children. I'm just, I'm not wanting to make light of the fact that you have one child and life's really hard. Right? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not wanting to make light of the fact that, yeah, yeah, for, for now, for two weeks, you haven't slept very well versus 14 years. But our, our youngest daughter, who is like this, the, uh, the most amazing nearly six-year-old the world has ever seen, her name is Lulu, and uh, she is five, turning six this month. And um, she started football. We call it football. Once and you call it soccer here in Auckland. But we, she started football yesterday, right? How many know that's exciting, isn't it? Now the, down the shop for another pair of socks. Uh, you know, she's got, so she has the football socks to about, well, we fold them down five or six times to there. But, and then she has the football shorts, which were her brothers. So they're there. Uh, and then she's got the boots, which she's been wearing around the house for a couple of weeks which is good because all the mud's come off uh, uh, as she's worn them. And then she's got, uh, you know, the um, Waterside Karori, who we played for, not me, the children. Uh, She's got an awesome black and white strip with red underarms. It's just an awesome strip. And so how many know that's exciting, right? Except it's exciting, but it's also complicated. Uh, because both my uh, boys play football as well, and so one of them is in uh, the grade 13, one of them is in grade 10, and, uh, and, and they all had games on Saturday, right, which is exciting. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, and, one, and, and we also had the school fair, which is great, isn't it? It's great, and uh, my wife's a generous person, so she had volunteered that I would take the coffee machine from church, which is a quality coffee machine, and, I, and, and set it up outside. I don't know if you've ever tried to grind coffee in the wind. <laughs> and I don't know if you've ever used, have you ever used a very high-powered electrical appliance in the rain? Have you done that? <laughs> yeah. So, so we had, we had a, a, a grade 13 boy playing in Upper Hut. His first game, he's just changed from rugby to soccer because the weight restrictions come off in under 13 and he's only 48 kilos. <laughs> and, and some of Mr. Schaffhausen's relatives. <laughs> some of them are 82 kilos, so he just, as a front row forward, he decided he would give soccer a try. And uh, so he was playing his first game of soccer in Upper Hut and then our grade 10 it was playing his game in, in uh, Porirua. So apology if this meant nothing to you. Uh, and then our Lucia was playing at, at uh, Karori at, 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 at just down the road from the house, right? All of the games, all of the games were at 8.30. <laughs> I 
Which is good, isn't it? Which is brilliant, because that gave me time to drive to Moore Wilson and buy the cups that I'd forgot to get for the coffee the day before. Then to drive from Moore Wilson's back to the house to put the trailer on the car to take the coffee machine down to the school fair. Then I was able to uh, enroll the help of an older gentleman who nearly broke his back lifting the coffee machine off the trailer with me. Uh, setting it all up, then I was able to tell him just to turn it on at the right time. Then I was able to drive to Upper Hutt and watch the second half of one of the games. Then I was able to drive back. And then for five hours, I was able to make coffee while I heard different reports from other fathers who had seen the other children playing. Do you know how many people know that life can be really good and really complicated? And actually, sometimes the better it gets, the gooder it gets, it can actually make things more complicated. How many people know that the world's a complicated place right now? There's, there's conversations that are really hard to have right now. You can't talk about politics without engaging in some complicated thinking right now. You can't talk about what Trump just did or what Pence is just in or who might or might not be a reptilian shapeshifter from another planet. You can't really, you can't really engage in some of these conversations without, first of all, thinking, am I prepared to go there? My barber has no hair, but he's fixed it. He's, got, he's tattooed some hair on. And, and, and a hand of my moustache and some giant lamb chops. And he didn't like his eyebrows, so he's just had them done as tattoo as well. How many know when you, when you sit down, that guy starts talking, you know, this is going to be a complicated conversation. Well, I, want to, I, want to, I want to tell you this, that life is simple. Life is simple. Christianity, Simple. Simple. I want to run some simple scriptures for you. Is that all right? How many people like to take a deep breath and let it out? Okay, our job here is simple. Our life here is simple. Let's have a look at these scriptures. Is that all right? Let's, this one is, is Matthew chapter 6. It says this. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May you be praised. And may your kingdom come on earth. And may your will be be done on earth. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth. Simple. God is amazing. He's big. He's powerful. He's phenomenal. He's in charge. He's reliable. He's trustworthy. God, would, you, would the you-ness of you be more real here on earth? How many of that? That's a pretty simple prayer. How many know we're not talking about a simple God and we're not talking about a simple world, but there's a simple bit in the middle that says God is super awesome and we really need more of you here, God. Right? It's simple, right? Here's another one for you, right? Uh, Jesus comes and he tells his disciples in Matthew chapter 28, 28, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, right? So our Father in heaven, you be praised, be glory. And Jesus says, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth, right? And then we pray, God, that your kingdom come, that your will be done. And Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples. Teach them what I've commanded you, and I'm going to be with you always. How many know that's a simple plan? Just go places, tell them about Jesus. Right? Go places and tell them about Jesus. Now, how many know that the places you might go are not, are not simple? But how many know the message is very simple? We're telling people about Jesus. How, how hard is the Jesus story? Well, God is so good. He loves people so much that He 
became himself in his human form and he died in our place, taking upon himself all of the world's sin, all of the world's judgment so that he could set us free, so that we could be free to worship him, free to glorify him, free to enjoy his presence in the world that he created, right? That's the whole of the gospel. All the other things Christians talk about is off point. It's not the message. The things that become political, that become judgmental, that become uh, that the, the cause division, that break things down, that's not the message. The message is God loves us. He died in our place so that we could enjoy relationship with Him forever. That's the whole of the gospel, right? Everyone say it's simple. Okay, one more simple scripture for you. It says this one, this is super simple. Someone asks Jesus and says, teacher, what's the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Read the law of Moses one time. It's a lot of commandments, 619, right? And Jesus replied this. It's real easy. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind. And this is the first and the greatest commandment. But the second one is equally important. So there's this first great commandment to love God. This God who's going to be praised in heaven. This, this, this God who has all authority in heaven and earth, right? And then there's the second commandment, which is just as important. It's to love your neighbor as yourself. And the entire law all depends, law and the prophets, depends on these two commands. We've got to love God and we've got to love people. How many people know that that's simple? We've got to pray, God, you're awesome and you're in heaven and, and we're here on earth and we need more of you here. We've got to know Jesus has all authority in heaven and earth and we've got to go into all the world, right? I just was thinking because I was, I was a friend of mine is a brand expert. His name's Byron. He's a friend of yours too. And I was thinking, is there some sort of brand we could use to capture the simplicity of everything that we're on about? Is there some sort of idea? Is there some sort of brand identity? Right, that we could use to, to, to that could capture this simple idea of God is awesome and He's powerful, and we can connect with Him up there, and then that connection up there has some sort of relationship to how we live out here. Is there some sort of image we could use? Is there some sort of picture that we could use? And I thought of this one, and I thought we could use this as a representation of what we believe. We could take this symbol that sometimes has meant homosexuals aren't allowed here. Sometimes it's meant uh, divorced people can't be leaders. Sometimes it's meant, uh, sometimes it's meant don't come past this if you can't do maths, right? <laughs> sometimes it's meant we're on a crusade and we're going to kill as many of us as we can because we're after a silver chalice. Right, what we could do is we could reinvent this symbol as a symbol of God's power in heaven connecting with earth and our arms in response reaching out and embracing other humans in the love and in the power of God. Could this be a simple way? Could this be a great brand identity for us? Could we remember that this is what it's about? This is about connecting with Jesus in heaven. He's God, He's glorious, He's wonderful. It's easy to remember on Sunday morning, isn't it? When Ross is playing the drums, it's easy to remember God is great. If I'm playing the drums, it's hard to remember that God is great. Right, it's easy to remember that when, when Isaac's leading worship, when the team is singing, when, when we are all together worshiping. 
But come on, could we remember this in the staff room? Could we remember this at the bus stop? Could we remember this at high school? Could we remember it in the university? Could we tell it to a lecturer? Could we tell it to a neighbour? Come on, we're here to love God. We're here to love people. I don't even need to understand the politics. I don't need to understand the realities outside of the simple facts. Jesus is awesome. He's powerful. He's moving. He's working. He's up in heaven and He's touching earth. And I've got to do my bit, stretching out, reaching out. Everyone say it's simple. Sometimes I ask myself these questions. I've got three questions that I ask myself. Sometimes on a Sunday morning when I'm packing and I ask myself, uh, do we really need to see the kingdom of God? (laughs) And do we need subs to see the kingdom of God? Because they're really heavy. Sometimes when I'm praying, I'm thinking, oh, do we... do, I need, do we need to love people? I know you never asked this. Being, I only watch the Blues play. I only watch the Blues play now for one reason. I don't want to watch them play rugby. Well, they haven't played much of that in five years. But they do have the greatest support in the world. And actually, I feel, I feel somewhat a superstar just having you two there. But I'm disappointed that you're not wearing costumes appropriate for supporting somebody. But anyhow. Do we need to love people? Like, do we, like, you know, like, I don't know, yeah, I love the family and friends and, but, you know, I've, I don't know what your neighbours are like, but I've got, my, my neighbours are weirdos. <laughs> Obviously not, in Auckland there's no weirdos here, eh? <laughs> do you, have you, I don't know, have you ever asked these questions when, when you're tired? Oh, is it another prayer meeting? Oh, it's just a prayer meeting. Some of you don't even know that there was a prayer meeting every Sunday. <laughs> what? You're welcome to come. But, but sometimes you think, do, do, we need to, do we need this sort of effort? Because it's like, yeah, oh, yeah, it's easy to say, yeah, I love God. But how many of us actually that requires a bit of adjustment? Yeah, and then it's easy to say, oh, I love people, right? But, you know, even just loving my wife requires me to change who, who I am. She's, and she's the nicest person in the world. She's the easiest person to love, right? To love anybody else is going to require me to really to shift things inside of my selfish world, right? Sometimes, do we really need it? And the other thing we ask in Wellington quite regularly is, you know, does anyone actually need any help? Because everyone's sort of working for the government and they've got four degrees. And <laughs> When I say working for the government, you know what I mean. It's not like, it's not like, what, it's not like what you and I do for a living, you know, it's, you know. It's quite a different scenario. Which sometimes, I don't know if you ever thought, do we really need it? Do, like, we really need it. It's quite a good country. And there's just a couple of areas. Which I've just got some statistics. This is by no means research. But um, in, in terms of suicide, which is a problem in New Zealand, ac- across the population, there's 11 deaths per 100,000. I worked out the full 40 myself. It might be incorrect. But that's based on 4 million people. So, yeah. But have a look at this interesting little thing about suicide. 28 deaths per 100,000, so that's a lot more. And then 32.6 for those two age bands. 20 to 24-year-olds. And then again, 45 to 49-year-olds. See, we need the, someone in New Zealand needs the kingdom of God. There's people... This is, this, is a, this is people being cut down in their prime. 
through mental illness, life pressure, poor decisions, cut down. Uh, this is the craziest one, though. This is uh, domestic violence. And I was inspired by what the, what the women did to equip her and beyond her, just, just connecting and blessing what women's refugees do. But the New Zealand police made 33,209 referrals to women's refuge in the last year. That's only 45% of the referrals they get. And that's the referrals, right? It's not the whole story. It's the, maybe it's the more serious, but it's the stuff that's coming to the surface. There's only 365 days in a year. That means the police are ringing up Women's Refuge 90 times a day to refer a family in crisis. That's a lot of times a day someone's answering the phone and and getting the name and number and making a plan to try and rescue a situation to try and have a positive impact in a situation. I just think, what would it look like? What does it feel like? What is what, what's going to happen in us if we could if we could get back to our brand identity? We, we, God is amazing, and He's actually in heaven, but He's also He's in heaven, but He's also touching earth. The cross was buried in the dirt at the bottom, and it's reaching to the heavens at the top. And the whole bit is God. God's God's still God right down in the dirt, where He's touching the reality of our lives. He's God right up in heaven, and there's a constant and permanent and eternal connection between the heavens and the earth. Now, bear in mind, it's not spatially vertical like that. It's dimensionally different. Okay, moving on. There's a connection between the invisible and the visible, which we represent in this vertical connection. What would it look like if, if we could see that grow and become more powerful and bigger and bigger flow? And, and tonight we're going to talk about that, the flow of God. But what would it look like if that, that impact and, the, and the, the reality of heaven became more and more and more real in our hearts and in the tabernacle of our community and our arms could stretch further and reach beyond ourselves just like the girls were doing in Equip Her that we could reach beyond because God's touched us here. We can reach beyond. I love the fact that in the middle of that conference, there's an immediate response. We're coming together as a conference for this vertical connection with God and in the middle of it, we're gonna stretch our arms somewhere some like it's not a great strategy it's not about strategy it's just a stretch we're looking for a strategy what did Jesus do this was the strategy you don't need a strategy to reach your neighbors you already know where they live you could probably if you got together with if you got a friend get a friend to help you but you could probably even figure out the actual address It'll like be, it'll be, it's weird though, it's like two, it's two numbers different. So if you're at 78, they're not 71 or seven, or whatever, you know. <laughs> it's harder than I thought, right. <laughs> I, w- I want to read, I, w- I want to read one more scripture, is that okay? And then I've got 27 ideas as we get started in this sermon. <laughs> it's good though, because there's 18 minutes left. <laughs> okay, Mark chapter 2. Uh, we'll, we'll throw it up on the screen, and I'll read it. Um, Mark chapter 2. And this is a really familiar story, and it's a story that's pretty close to our hearts at Equippers. It says this. Several days later, Jesus returned to Capernaum, and the news of his arrival spread quickly through the town. I really should have got uh, destiny to read this, but 
soon the house where they were staying was so packed with visitors that there wasn't room for one more person, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them as he preached the word to them. Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. I love, <laughs> love this. They couldn't get in to, through the crowd to Jesus, so they dug through the clay roof above his head and they lowered the sick man on the mat right down in front of Jesus. I, 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 you know, if there's one thing that's great about Hebrew narrative, it just says outlandish things, <laughs> like in a normal sort of a way. <laughs> like David ran down the hill, threw a stone. <laughs> they, they couldn't get in, so they dug a hole in the roof. <laughs> Do you imagine, imagine if the Bible, imagine if Jesus come to New Zealand. All these stories would be terrible. They would just be terrible. They couldn't get in. So they said, oh, far. <laughs> and then they took turns saying, what should we do now? <laughs> and one guy said, oh, we should go to the beach. And the other guys go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then one guy goes, oh, nah. <laughs> like the Bible would be long. It would be long. Like, yeah, should we do this? Nah, should we do this? Yeah, 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 nah. Should we do this? Yeah, 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 nah. Well, there would be a long Bible, but nothing would happen. <laughs> These guys, they turned up. Oh, I can't get in. And then they dug a hole through Peter's roof. It's not just a roof. It's someone's roof. <laughs> it's Peter's house. They dug a hole through the roof. Peter would have been punching them in the head. They lower him down and then Jesus sees him and then this very, very important exchange takes place. Jesus sees the crippled man. He knows who's in the crowd. In the Luke version, it says the power of God was, or God was powerfully present with Jesus to bring healing. It's a very confusing sentence in the Luke version of the story. The power of God was present to heal or God was powerfully present with Jesus or powerfully present in the room. And Jesus looks at this one person who's been lowered down through the roof, obviously caught his attention somehow. <laughs> Something about you, young man. <laughs> he, I don't know, he would be visibly, he's visibly physically impaired and Jesus just looks at him and says, son, your sins are forgiven. And then there's a religious debate takes place. And then Jesus says to the religious people, he says, you know, come on, what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or take up your mat and walk. Right? So Jesus is just saying, your sins are forgiven is just the easy way of saying, take up your mat and walk. Or it's just another way of saying the same thing. Isn't that interesting? Because I have always thought that your sins are forgiven and take up your mat and walk are two different things. But Jesus is saying that this is the same thing. If I forgive your sins, if I forgive your sins, There'll be, a, there'll be a whole change in your abilities. And as soon as I forgive your sins, you'll just pick things up and carry them. And you'll walk places. See, sometimes some of you are doing stuff. Like there's people doing stuff in church. This is, we're doing it place, right? We do it. We do e-groups. We do it. We don't just have them. We do them. Right? But that's because our sins are forgiven. We're just like, wow, well, let's do it. Why are you doing youth? <laughs> that was not dancing. That was just, I have a bad hip. 
Why does Ben do youth? Because he just loves it? No, he's just doing it because God touched him. And he's just, wow, wow, okay, where's where's something to do now? Why? Because there's a vertical touch and then there's a horizontal response. And we don't have to do this. We just have to do it. Like it just happens. It just comes out of us when God touches us and sets us free. There's an explosion of outreach. There's an explosion of, ah, I've got to do something. And it might be as simple as, yet once God touches you, you can't ride on the bus without feeling sad about people. I hate that. I don't go on the bus. There's too many sad people on the bus. I don't go at the soup, don't go to the supermarket late at night in Newtown. <laughs> hey, Alistair. <laughs> like, because you'll feel like, oh, you feel sad for every person you see. And that's just the staff. <laughs> but come on, what is that? It's not just, it's not just me being, a, being sort of a sap. It's not just that. But it's actually that because God, as God sets me free, There's this natural response to say, hey, there's a freedom that's available to others. There's a grace that's available to others. There's just a couple of things I want to observe about this story before we wrap it up. So the first thing is that the news spread quickly that Jesus was in the house. I've just got one thing to say. When Jesus is actually in the house, people will know. And that the people who know will tell other people. Why? Because when Jesus, when there's a vertical touch from heaven, there's a a declaration that, hey, Jesus is here. Hey, come to my church. Hey, be in a place where God can move in your world. Um, it's amazing. If people talk about whatever they're into. They talk about, I don't know, did anyone go to the Adele concert? Like, I didn't go, but I feel like I've been. Because everyone in the whole country is talking about nothing else. I'm just like, I don't even know who she is. What, what song does she sing? Is it on the radio? Is this on young people's radio? I've not heard her on national radio. What's this about? But people talk about whatever's important, whatever's powerful. That's why we talk about Jesus. We don't talk about Jesus because we have to. We talk about Jesus because we can't stop. We talk about Jesus because it's real, because he's touched us, because we know he's in the house and we tell other people about it, right? God is powerfully present to heal. Do you know God's present when we gather together in a way that he's not present anywhere else in the world? He's present here today powerfully present. Jesus said, whenever two or more are gathered together in my name, I'll manifest my presence. Do you know, something can happen for your friend at church that can't happen for your friend at the bus stop. I I don't know why. It's complicated. (laughs) Now, it's simple. When we gather together, God presences himself here in power. What else happens? So God's present. He's powerful. My notes are confusing. I I like that the visitors... There's this house totally packed with people. Uh, It's the best thing out when you have 40 people around your house. Hey, the dishes suck afterwards, but it's... (laughs) Right, if you're having 40 people around your house or 50 people around your house, it's awesome, right? But this house didn't have like 40 or 50 people. This house was literally full. Like there wasn't space for any more air in the house. It was full, right? So they couldn't even get up. The the front porch was full. These guys, when they bring in the parallels, man, they can't get in at all. And you know, when God's present, those who don't belong, belong. Do you know, the, the reason you feel comfortable at Equipus Church is because God's presence is here. We're not particularly accepting people. We're just normal people. 
but we've been touched by the presence and the love of God, and we've found acceptance in Him. That's why you feel accepted when you're in here, even though you're different to me and you're different to others, because we're all different, right? But God's in this place, and those who don't belong suddenly belong because of His presence. Do you know, the last thought is this, uh, second last thought is this, um, when God's presence is there, um, team happens. Just team happens. I like the fact that these four people carry this paralyzed man into the presence of Jesus. And then they overcome every possible obstacle to get him there. Now, if, if Ed Anderson was paralyzed, right, I reckon, I reckon I could move him about the place just by myself. Like, it would be fine for me because I'm quite strong. But, but it, it would be uncomfortable for Ed. I just want to say, it would be uncomfortable for Ed. Like, it, it, would require me, it would require me to sort of hug him really close in a sort of a weird way. Or, it would, or else, what I would actually do was I'd just drag him by one of the limbs, you know? <laughs> one of the, like, either one of the draggy bits. Do you know what I mean? Like a, like a like, you know, like, we could demonstrate, but it would be awkward because Ed's got nice clothes on. But, um, <laughs> as long as the surface was smooth, but obviously, if, you know, I was just thinking... Straight away, if you think, wow, let's go for coffee, Ed. Or, or Jesus is actually in the foyer. Uh, do you know what I mean? The stairs is going to require me to get a bit of speed up. <laughs> hey. Do you know, I don't know how many. I think that when, when, we don't approach, when we don't approach our heart for the city as a team, I, I think we can damage people. If we don't think, if we don't understand what we're doing, like, I, I think, I do read the internet a little bit, not the whole internet, but little bits of it. Um, there are Christians who say things about things that just like, oh man, if, if I was one of the people that they're talking about, I'd feel like someone just dragged me down the steps, like, come and see Jesus. Come and meet Jesus. He'll transform your life, you horrible, nasty, ding, 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 ding. You know? How's that going to actually allow someone's heart to be open to Christ? But if we operate as a team that we can actually lift, if we understand that the reason people can't get into the building themselves is because they are, I was going to say paralyzed, I was going to say handicapped. We're not allowed to say that, are we? We're not allowed to say Differently, we're not even allowed to say disabled in the Europe anymore. They're not allowed to say it. No, it always changes. Anyhow, <laughs> I think the, the thing we've got to remember is we've got to work as a team, right? But I think the main thing we've got to remember is that Jesus does the ultimate thing first. Now, I, don't know, I don't know what you're struggling with right now. But we've been doing team this morning. People went here early setting up. And Isaac and the team led us in worship. I was talking to a, a friend of mine, and he's just a young, a young guy in church and got saved through Revolution Tour when he was about 14, and he's been sort of 20 now. And I was just chatting, and I was like, oh, he's from a, like a, a family that's quite distant from church and distant from God. And um, I said, how have you, what are the things in church that have helped you follow Jesus? And he was like thinking, he's, real, he's a smart kid, he's just thinking. And he just looked at me and he said, oh, it's just the words in the song. I was like, oh, you know, songs that Isaac wrote or 
Josh wrote, you know, someone in Planet Shakers or Hillsong wrote, means that a 14-year-old can come to church from whatever happened all week when you're 14 in a family like that. You can come into church and he said, you know, every time I've come into church and I've been in a bad space, at some point, half of a line or just a couple of words in a song will speak to my heart and I'll feel all of the weight just drop off. Why? Because he was, because he's handicapped. We operate in a team. That's what we're doing here with team. We operate in a team and, and, and a song that someone wrote on the other side of the world is performed by a team of people and someone's getting the words up at the right time and, if, and it's actually the words on the screen, just the words on the screen, like it's not spiritual, just the words on the screen did something in his heart. Someone holding their corner brought him into a place where Jesus could do the ultimate in his life, where he could feel a sin drop off him and he could feel forgiven. Do you know, I think, I think we're good at working hard. Once you've been a Christian for a while, I think we're really good at working hard. I think we're good at finding the corner and grabbing it. Come on. Hup, 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 hup. You know, and you got someone like Ben saying, come on, together, everyone, she's war. And we, off we do. I think we're quite good at that. I think I'm good at that. That's one of my best things is just working hard blindly. <laughs> Let's do it. What are we doing yet? We're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I really am. It's my spiritual gift. It's just to do things fast and dangerously. But I think, I think we need to get good at this. This is what we need to get good at. We need to get good at this. I'm just going to demonstrate for you. We actually need to get good at this. I don't know how you approach God. But in, in this story... The power of God was present to heal. Yes, the room was packed full of people and only one person got healed. And it was the person who realized he was handicapped. See, the problem for some of us is that we're only handicapped in one leg or somewhere in our insides. So it can become really easy to just pretend everything's okay. And we just, hey, how's church? Yeah, it's good. How's your week been? Yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Everything right? Yeah, no, I'm fine. No, I just want to, yeah, no, I just want to stay here. <laughs> and we got an e-group in and we're talking and people are talking and anyone got any prayer needs? And we say this. No, no, it's all good. <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah, everything's all good. I just probably, yeah, I just, I don't know. I've always been like this. <laughs> yeah, it's just too, it's just part of my personality to lie on the floor and not move anywhere. <laughs> I'm not pretending now. I'm actually, this is how hard it is to stand up. <laughs> I'm not trying to make fun of people who have physical disabilities. My left hip doesn't work. Anyhow. Why don't, why don't I reach out to my neighbors instinctively and powerfully and compellingly? Why, why, why didn't we all bring a friend this morning? I, I don't think it's because we're lazy. 
or selfish. I don't think it's because of any of those things. I just think sometimes we forget step one, which is appearing before Jesus completely handicapped and receiving from him ultimate freedom in the form of the forgiveness of our sins. It's not step one. It's just where it always begins. It's where it flows from. My relationship with Jesus didn't happen when I was 11 and I was forgiven of my sin. And from then onward, I've just been moving forward. No, no, my relationship with Jesus is still exactly the same as it ever was. I am the cripple, not the hero in the story. I love what Destiny said about the, the roles we play. I just think there's this constant tension. There's this constant tension that we're always, we're always still the cripple. <laughs> yeah, we've picked up our mat. Now we're walking around. Now we're looking for other crippled people to help. But we're only doing that because Jesus touched us because this great God in heaven touched us. The reason we could help somebody else is not because we've got it all together. It's because we understand that we don't. It's that we understand that we're we reliant entirely and completely and we're reliant eternally and forever. Every day, tomorrow, we'll still be reliant on the grace of God, this grace of Jesus expressed in our simple message that God loved us so much He died taking upon it himself our sin so that he didn't have to punish us. He punished himself so that we could enjoy a relationship with him and the benefit of a relationship with him forever. Why don't you close your eyes and bow your heads? Perhaps you're here this morning and maybe you've never made a decision to acknowledge Jesus as your Savior. The Bible's 100% clear and 100% trustworthy when it says God loves us. God, the creator of all things. He loves us, the center of his creation, people. And that because of our sin, because we fall short of God's plan and we fall short of God's glory, because of our woundedness and our brokenness, we were unacceptable to God. Somebody had to pay for the wrong in our life, and Jesus did that for us. That's our symbol, the cross, where Jesus was crucified. He physically suffered, and God himself turned his back on Jesus and judged him for our sin, so that now God is justified in forgiving us our sin. All of the wrong that was my life was put upon Jesus and all the rightness of who He was, all the goodness of who He is, is being transplanted into my life. So now that when God sees me, He can see me forgiven. He sees me as His perfect child. He sees you as His perfect child, not as somebody subject to judgment. We make that transition when we acknowledge Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, when we ask Him to forgive us from all of the sin in our life. I've asked everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads so that people can have an opportunity to respond and say, if you're here this morning and you've never made a decision to respond to Jesus, this is the moment where you can do that. 
there's no pressure to do that, but this is a moment, an opportunity that's been created for you. In a moment, I'll ask you to put your hand up. When I've seen your hand, you can put it back down. And then once people have had a chance to respond, we're all of us going to pray together a prayer acknowledging Jesus. So right now, across this room, if you've never made this decision before, or perhaps maybe you made this decision a long time ago, but you've walked away from God, why don't you make that decision again today to acknowledge Jesus as your Savior? Wherever you're sitting right now, why don't you shoot your hand up in the air and say, that's me, I want to acknowledge Jesus as my Savior. I need Him working in my world.